Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Uh, hello, everyone. It has been the end of draft weekend. Uh, overall, I mean, great, great weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Air got taken out of the room a little bit after the Lions' eighth pick, TJ Hawkinson, but overall, we didn't let it get us down. And uh, we just had, had a great, wholesome time uh, watching the draft with you boys. It was, it was really just, I look forward to it every year. Yeah, it's the best. Always, Always great, man. Always great. We, we, we missed you. We missed you two years ago, but. Yeah. Or last year, but sorry, but we're not uh, we're not we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about the future, and we had a great time. Um, just to kind of give a, a short overview of what we're going to kind of go over today on on the podcast. First and foremost, just talking about how where all these quarterbacks ended up, what we think about their situations going forward. Uh, then we're going to kind of get into some of our favorite least favorite picks of the first round, favorite least favorite picks of the entire draft, and then lastly, just kind of wrapping it up with who we think. Uh, came away from this draft, what teams really set themselves up great for uh, 2019 and also even going forward into, you know, years to come. So uh, just to get this thing started, Kyler Murray goes number one overall to the Cardinals as we, even though it got a little shaky there in the end, maybe confidence-wise, this kind of seemed like it was going to be the pick all along. Um yeah, at the end of the day, just Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray got to make that pairing. So, although I don't necessarily believe in Cliff Kingsbury, I would say that I guess Kyler ended up in, in maybe the best spot for himself, just considering the fit uh, with his athletic ability and that kind of new wave offense they're going to bring in. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think there's too much to say about this pick, just because all of us, I think, did a pretty good job of sticking with our guts, and uh, none of us got too much into the hoopla of uh, Kyler not being selected uh, first overall. I mean, you know, at times it's it's easy to say you were, you're, in, you're entertained by it, but at the end of the day, I think all of us thought this would be the pick. And, uh, yeah, no, Clep, I agree. Especially, uh, we'll talk about it soon with the other moves they made in the draft, addressing the offense, definitely tooling this offense to Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler and giving them a chance to succeed straight off the bat. Yeah, Clep, I agree with you. I think this is probably not only – uh, in terms of the scheme fit, but, uh, you know, what, I mean, Kyler, this is, I feel like, the only team that really could give them the keys of the team fully. Uh, you know, some other teams just don't have necessarily the personnel or the scheme. Uh, this just definitely seemed like a perfect fit, and we were kind of on this from, from the get-go, so uh, no no surprise to see a great pick. And I mean, we might, someone's going to touch on this later, the Cardinals also added some nice pieces um, in terms of offense oh, yeah. later on in the draft as well. I think we all uh, Definitely um, a good good spot, landing spot for Kyler. Let's go to the sixth pick, which is the next quarterback to be to find their fate, and that's Daniel Jones. Leo, I'll give you the, the the start on that one. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's no shock for our our fans that I'm not a huge Jones guy. I wasn't a big Lock guy. Um, you know, I thought Jones was a little bit better than Drew Lock, but still, my grade on him was more at at the highest in the fourth round. And I know that's a, that's a bit radical, yeah, and it may be a bit rich, but even if you take that with a grain of salt, I don't think this guy's a first-round prospect. And Gettleman, I think it was a panic pick, and I think him coming out and saying, oh, two teams would have taken him before 17, trying to cover his own ass, excuse my language for the, you know, the back judge, the not explicit 
I'm using ass, but uh, Daniel Jones, it, it seems like, you know, with a pick like that, with your quarterback, number six pick, you shouldn't have to defend yourself. That should be your guy. And I just think it shows a sign of weakness. And I think that Daniel Jones is just not the guy. And I think this is going to complete the, the fourth pick of a quarterback that the Giants have made. You know, I went down the list a few episodes ago, whether it be Nassib, Laletta, or, you know, uh, Davis Webb, now now uh, Daniel Jones, I see him fitting right into the mold of those four guys. It's just or three other guys is just a little bit overrated and uh, not fit to wear the shirt in terms of being a starting quarterback for the New York Giants and the guy who's going to excel them in that ever-so-competitive division. So I couldn't dislike the pick more. If I could grade it, I'd give it an F. You know, that's the lowest grade you could give because I just do not believe in it, and I don't believe in Daniel Jones. And I, you know, as Chris Sims would say, it doesn't make me feel any better or it doesn't help me sleep better at night dissing a kid who's just around my age and a lot better at quarterback than I am. But at the same time, I, I got to give some analysis on the show. I got to give some hard analysis, and this is just a hard take that I happen to have. Uh, and Daniel Jones is not not fit. So, yeah, uh, I'll I'll piggyback off of that. Uh, just and and it's one thing when you take like you would think Daniel Jones. I feel like objectively in the scouting community, maybe there maybe the you know maybe he was the Redskins number one QB. I doubt that, and maybe it was the Broncos number one QB. That uh, I agree with Lee. Sounds like Devilman Gettleman, you know, covering his own skin, but. This isn't. It's. It just seems like a guy who doesn't really have that high of a ceiling, and they're not even reaching for someone that they like. They obviously think it's their guy, but it just seems. To, I literally think we talked about this on draft day, but I think they think this is going to be a Manning-esque figure. He had, they have all the Cutcliffe ties. He has the uh, you know the t- the tall, gangly kind of. He looks that that tweet you liked, Clep, uh, you know, sums it up so perfectly. He looks like the actor who's playing Eli Manning in the, like the Peyton Manning movie. You know, he, that's, that kind of just sums him up. So I just think it was a bit of a reach. You know, we could be wrong, but this seems, I mean, we were all together in 2017 when the Bears traded up and picked Trubisky, and that, that makes that seem like a, a better, you know, you know, picking Steve Young, I feel like, in the first round. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You know, you're, you're mentioning Steve Young in the same well, breath was, as, as Mitch Trubisky and Daniel Jones. I don't understand where, the, where that's coming from, but I, I, get, I guess I get what you're trying to say. It's, it's an overstep. And it's a bit laughable, I think, because um, I don't know. Even if I think I feel like Haskins is just like the safe pick. Even if you want to take a quarterback who I'm, I'm, I had Greer as my second guy. Not that even he wasn't even in the conversation, but as just the 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 public's number two guy and a guy who at least uh, is is impressive on the whiteboard and had a really good 14 games at Ohio State. And if, in the the limited stuff that I watched with Daniel Jones, it's just there was no. Like, Haskins had some big wins. Obviously, he didn't play that well in the Purdue game. But he had some big wins against tough defenses. Uh, that, I mean, Washington game was impressive. Michigan, obviously, was impressive. Uh, and Daniel Jones is a guy who, when he was playing tough competition, never really seemed to show up. And it just, you know, I, yeah. I think they missed wholeheartedly. Yeah, so, I mean, I won't, I won't say too much more of that. I don't, I'm not going to – I don't support the pick either, so um, – then the next uh, quarterback to go, no trades, uh, which was a little odd this year, no trade-ups to get quarterbacks. Uh, Dwayne Haskins went, or at least in the first round, but uh, Dwayne Haskins went 15 to the Washington Redskins and moved that I really like. Um, a lot of people were bagging on the Redskins in the pre-draft process because it was chaos, supposedly, in Landover, which it very well could have been, but at the very least, they stuck at 15, didn't have to give up any assets, and got... Um, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. 
whether or not you don't believe in Haskins or not. Um, and so I, I like the pick. I think that he's going to come in and hopefully start for this team. I, I don't want to see Case Keenum start week one. I think hopefully Haskins just wins the job in camp, and you can go from there. I don't think that – you know, I think the offense still has some holes, but I think, you know, they can be a decent unit in, in 2019 with Haskins at, at under center. I don't – and, you know, I like that Jay Gruden is finally getting – whether or not maybe he had an opinion on what quarterback he wanted to take, at least Jake Gruden now is kind of getting a young guy, you know, from the first round that he can hopefully uh, mold and, you know, make him do what he wants it to be. Yeah, Haskins is a DMV kid too, which I like a lot. And the, I mean, him falling to 15 sounded crazy talk before the draft, but <laughs> turns out, you know, that's right where he was. And I think it's a good fit, like you were saying, Clep. I don't have too much to say about this pick except for the fact that I do have a prophecy to make. And I'm going to continue to bag on Haskins a little bit. And I'm going to say Case Keenum's, Case Keenum's going to win this job. Haskins not going to wow. start wow. the season as a starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. I'm going to a live descent. George yeah, we, you, I was assuming the double descent. And, uh, you know, I'll defend myself uh, when the time comes. If Haskins looks better in the preseason, I'll say so. I'll stay true to my guns. But this is the prophecy I'm making. I think uh, Keenum has seen a little bit more. And I'm not necessarily saying this is going to be a litmus for Haskins' career or a sign of things to come. I just think that... He may be a little uh, slower in the development process than people think, and that Keenum is kind of more of a seasoned guy. And with the roster you have, I don't know if uh, Haskins is going to be the guy to go with week one. We definitely will see, but that's a prophecy I'm willing to make, so I'm putting that down. Uh, what's the date today? The 20th? Uh, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, well, it's pretty apropos you said that because I was just about to talk about how, I, I mean, I feel like the Cowboys objectively are, you know, they're gunning for that second spot in the NFC East. I mean, I'm not going to expect them to uh, – the Eagles, I just think, have a better team than them, and I'm not going to just expect them to win. But this scare – I mean, the Washington's draft kind of scares me. They already had a, a, a team that very well could have won the division last year if Alex Smith didn't go down. This is a, a playoff-ready roster, in my opinion, and I think Haskins uh, – I definitely think he's going to be the starter week one, and I, I very well could be wrong. I think that's true, what you were saying about Case Keenum, you know, being right, more ready for it, and this is kind of, this is, you know... Goff, man! Two, that, was, that was three years ago, wasn't it? That Goff came in, and he was the uh, the BDI yeah. rookie. Number one pick, actually, coming into the Rams uh, training room, and, and, and I, well, Keenum took that job, and I just think Keenum is a guy who, he's not done, I don't think, yet, and I think the way that, that last year went in Denver, obviously, it did not go very well for him, but I think he's got good football left in him, and he's kind of the guy who's been the underdog his whole career, he plays with the chip, and I think that quarterback room is going to be – it's just going to be a very interesting battle. And I, uh, I just – I think it's just an interesting prophecy to make, and, and I'm all over it. Yeah, definitely. What I was more trying to say, I guess, is just if I was a Redskins fan, I feel like this is the first time you – I mean, I guess since RG3, obviously, after that you can kind of feel confident that you have a guy going forward, you have a pretty good team around him, and this team I feel like is ready to – might be ready uh, to compete faster than maybe other people think. Um, the next – QB shoot a drop. What was the pick? Was it 40, 42, the Bengals? No, no, it was uh, Finley at 40. I believe no, it was. No, it was, it was the, the oh, lock at 42. Mm-hmm. The Broncos. Oh, to the, to the Broncos. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Drew Locke fell out of the first round. Ends up in the second round pick to the Denver Broncos. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that I think they, they could have taken him at number 10 overall. I don't know. You know, maybe they didn't value him there. Um, they obviously traded out and then even back to 20, still didn't take him at 20. So they were probably pretty thrilled to get him in that second round um, spot. Yeah. Um, um, 
develop under Joe Flacco, I guess. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm a luck supporter. I see the talent. I see what he can potentially be in the NFL. Um, I know Lee doesn't like him very much, but uh, the only, I mean, he's going to an, uh, a team that has a defensive-minded head coach and a pretty established starter in, in Joe Flacco, at least in terms of just NFL experience. I really like the fit clip, uh, like what you were saying. I think there's going to be no pressure to start uh, a Mahomes-esque situation. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I haven't uh, as w- watched as much as both of you guys have on Locke, but the, he's definitely an enticing talent. But there's something that, you know, his lack of accuracy, I feel like, will always, it, it, you don't usually learn that. But I really, what I, what I, my takeaway from this pick was, like you said, Clep, they didn't pick him at, at 10 or at 20. And that makes me have a little bit more faith in Gruden. And they, I think they had a really good draft, you know, with the limited picks that they had. Elway? Um, what's that? Yeah. Or, yeah, Elway, my bad. Uh, that, you know, Elway is not just going to take his, his, you know, the guy that he's in love with at 10, and he's going to try and build this team. And I think he believes that they can uh, compete this year with Because well, it, it would have been a joke if he took Drew Locke at 10. Haskins fell to 15. Yeah, but... I mean, Daniel Jones won six. I, I don't know. He definitely, if you think it's your it's guy, not, I obviously think I that think they, it's ridiculous. I think Elway proved even more in this draft. You take Fan with the 20th pick, Tommy. I know you like Fan a lot. We don't have to get into whether or not that's a great pick. I, I clearly don't think it's that great of a pick. And then I think Risner's a great pick, but obviously Elway likes Locke. I just wanted to share a, a tweet from Warren Sharp, uh, what a QB should be. Mike Leach. This is what Mike Leach says. Elevate the play of others. This is the first thing. In order. Accuracy, good decisions, quick feet, fast, strong arm. That's Mike Leach. And then John Elway, it's just, there's a little snippet, 30-second, and it's basically him saying they have to be physically talented, have a strong arm, and have heart and toughness, and be able to take a beating. And I just think that that is kind of goes to show where Elway's head is at, and the quarterbacks that he, he wants, clearly drafting Paxton Lynch, thinking it was a good idea to get Trevor Simeon. I know it was just talking up Case Keenum, and I wouldn't bash... Elway too much for that decision. I'm more talking about Paxton Lynch and Drew Locke now uh, with how much I dislike Drew Locke. I, I, I really can't bash the pick too much because like you guys said, if your guy's your guy, then he's your guy basically. And if, you, and if you were thinking about taking him at 10 and you got him at 42 and you think he can be the heir apparent to Flacco and in the Mahomes type situation, you think he can start in one year or maybe two years, then it's a good pick and, and if he can produce. But I have uh, little to no faith in Drew Locke as a starting NFL quarterback. So... I think that a 40-second pick on him is way rich and that this is just going to be Elway proving again, yet again that uh, he can't find a quarterback if, uh, if an old version of himself came back to him and looked him in the eyes and uh, whispered it to him or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I will say very quickly the fact that you do – like I agree with you that it is probably rich to take him in the second round, but the fact that you did do that, you can you, not, it's not really a mistake. The veneer of it being a mistake kind of washes away. I feel like in, in a way that like the Panthers when they drafted Jimmy Clausen in the second round and he was like supposed to be that guy that year they turn around the next year and drafted Cam Newton like I feel like as we saw with Rosen this year it's it's hard to move on from a first round quarterback you're not gonna recoup that value probably just because it's such a value centric league and the fact that they got him in the second round where as Klepp was saying they very well could have took him well like yeah that. and it would also just kind of be interesting to see just to play a little bit of. You know, the NFL is such a year-to-year league, and it's like, what if Fangio kind of can't find his ass with both hands in his first year offensively, and they struggle, and they win five games, which is, you know, I think possible in that division. And then you have a top five to seven pick, 
and you've got three quarterbacks on the board who are supposed to go top 10, and you're sitting there with Flacco having a terrible year. He's not an option anymore. And it's like Locke is kind of in a Rosen situation without even starting and getting picked, whatever, 32 picks later. So I don't know you what the— think if he's their guy, though, they wouldn't—like they, if the Chiefs had a bad year, they wouldn't have taken— a quarterback, yeah, unless, I don't know unless they really didn't believe in Mahomes. It's we'll gonna see. come down to what I think it's different with the, with the second round pick. But yeah. let's get to least Anyways. favorite guy, eh? Well, let's quickly touch on Rosen going to the um, Dolphins. Yeah, even though it's not in order, but it's okay. We'll the late second around. round pick, and I, I think if you're the Dolphins, this is just a win-win scenario. Um, I mean, unfortunately for Rosen, he kind of ends up in the same position he was in last year, which is the point that Tommy had made. Um, kind of in our in our little group text, but I think you know if you're Josh Rosen, you're heading off to Miami. I think Miami overall, like you're getting probably I think other than Kyler Rosen is probably the best quarterback if you're going to rank these guys, or at least in my opinion, I would I would have to have him slightly over Haskins just in terms of already having a year of experience under his belt and the fact that you don't have to pay him that massive rookie signing bonus and pay him something like $6 bucks over the next four years or three years of his contract, um, I mean, that's a huge advantage for you as a team. So, you know, as the Miami Dolphins kind of rebuild here, they can do so with a talented quarterback and one that isn't going to cost you very much. I mean, I completely agree, Clep, in terms of just the risk of it. They gave up the last, I mean, pretty close to the last pick in the second round. It was like a 20s in the second round uh, to get Rosen. And like you said, I mean, he's making $6 million over the next uh, four years, I think, because there's an option. I could be wrong. Um, but either six, way. Make like $6 million bucks over the next three, and then they can pick up his option, which okay. will be something like 15 Okay, okay. Either way, I mean, uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a, you know, it's a win-win situation for them. If they get their franchise quarterback, they got it for a second-round pick. And if they don't, they can cut him, or you get a, a nice backup at, you know. He'd be making less than most backups would, too. So it's just... Uh, a win-win situation. Yeah, not much more to add. I think yeah. it's great, great value. So let's get into some of these picks here from the first round of the NFL draft. I will offer. I'll go. I'll go ahead and go first, and it's okay if we have some of our favorite and least favorite picks. But um, I'm going to say my favorite pick of the first round was at ten. The Steelers coming up to grab Devin Bush didn't give up too much to come and get him um, in terms of jumping all the way from twenty to ten. It was prophesized a little bit before the draft even began that that was something that they could possibly do. And I just think they're getting a baller for their defense. He's going to look great uh, in that silver and – I'm sorry, that black and gold. And um, I wish he was in that silver and hallelujah blue is, is what that was my mind was going to right there. But um, Devin Bush is going to be a leader on that defense for at least a decade. He's going to look great. Uh, for the Steelers and just, you know, a little upset the Lions again, but it's a, it was a great pick for them, especially, you know, not really having that guy after Shazier uh, got injured two seasons ago last year. They were kind of missing that, you know, general of their defense, and I think Bush can definitely be that for them. Yeah, I'll, uh, that was probably my favorite pick of the first round, too, but I'll just quickly add uh, number nine, Ed Oliver to the Bills. I'll just tally that as mine. Uh, just a guy who I think could have gone as high as three to the Jets, and could, pr- could prove in his rookie season to have been worth going as high as three to the Jets because I think he can be extremely dominant. I'm excited we, what, he can su- what he can do to see what he can do in that defense with the Bills. I think the Bills are doing some great things with McDermott. I, I, he's a defensive-minded guy, and he's going to know what to do with him. And I'm just really excited to see what Ed Oliver can do in Buffalo. I just think that's a phenomenal fit, and he's going to be a fan favorite and a guy who's explosive on that line for years. <coughs> yeah, I'll go with uh, number nine, Ed Oliver. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a little flummoxed right now because Ed Oliver was my pick, and I, and I just can't, I mean, reiterate everything that you just said. I just think that's an awesome pick and value for the Bills at nine, just, you know, getting a guy that is going to be as impactful as I think he's going to be. Um, I got another one that I like a lot. I mean, yeah, me too. There's start. a couple. There's a couple. I mean, we can maybe do like a little, we could do maybe one or two more. We'll have a couple extras, but I'll throw in uh, Jonah Williams, which I think uh, talking about value and just a nice fit. The Bengals uh, just need help all over their line, I think. And, you know, you get uh, the best lineman, I think, in, uh, in Jonah Williams. You can put him at left if you – or eventually put him at left when Cordy Glenn retires, or you can put him at right unless you want to put the $21 million man Bobby Hart there. If you want to do that, you can throw him, in, you know, at one of the guard spots. I just think it's a really good pick for a Bengals team that, uh, you know, is kind of in a cliff year, to use one of the, the guys next to me, uh, favorite saying. <laughs> Yeah, I can add another one, and that's Marquise Brown, receiver from Oklahoma, going to the Baltimore Ravens with the 25th pick. I just think that's probably the best receiver this team could have added, and they get a true number one guy with that pick. He's better than Willie Sneed. I think he's going to make more of an impact if that foot's healthy from uh, you know from the beginning. And I think Lamar Jackson, is that's a gift from, from heaven for Lamar Jackson as a bailout guy who isn't a tight end. So a guy who can be extremely explosive and I think is going to turn heads an early, way too early candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year maybe uh, and Lamar Jackson's favorite target in Baltimore. You want to, you want to add one more, Clep, or? No, I'm good. Um, not, not, too, uh, not, not too much to add. You guys kind of touched on some of the, the picks I really liked. Cool. I, I was just going to add Jeffrey Simmons to that too just because I think we're all, we all might be, uh, I don't know, the Titans – this was, I think we all agreed that this was kind of the hardest team to mock for throughout the season. And the mm-hmm. fact that they got a guy, I mean, they're probably one of their biggest needs was interior defensive linemen. And they get Jeffrey Simmons, uh, who's probably going to redshirt, uh, you know, barring a playoff run. Maybe he can, he can make the tail end of it. But a guy who's, you know, arguably the t- a top five player in the draft and just being able to get him at 19, uh, I think this is just going to be a variable guy. And I'm going to love him next to Jarrell Casey. Uh, for a pick, I kind of like... Not you know not too much later obviously but not in the first round of the draft uh, I'll throw out two both from the second round I really like Dalton Reisner going to the Denver Broncos even though uh, obviously didn't you know necessarily love the the Noah Fant pick and the Drew Lock pick is what it is I did really think bringing in Reisner um, to add to that offensive line is going to be a huge addition for them uh, and then also Nasir Adderley going to the Chargers. Uh, those he's going to be a, a difference maker than that secondary that just kind of gets uh, richer. Yeah, I'll add on a couple more to those, Club, just to keep this thing rolling. Um, a later prospect I like, I'm going to go straight back to the well in Buffalo, man. Cody Ford picking up that lineman with the second pick, I think it was. Or not the second pick, that was uh, Juwan Taylor. Was it Was it the sixth pick or seventh pick, I think? Something like that, yeah. Or something early in the second round. Don't specifically remember. But Cody Ford, I had him ranked as my second lineman for what it's worth. And I just think he was a bonafide first-round talent. So to get him, I think he's going to be a great lineman in Buffalo. He fits the mold, kind of similar to Ed Oliver, just a gritty dude who I think is going to you know, be a fan favorite and going to be a hog molly for years to come in Buffalo. And then uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a little two-headed monster here with the Patriots, Chase Winovich and Yadni Kajust. Two yeah. third-round guys, 77 on Winovich and 101 on Kajust. Uh, you know, uh, Winovich is a guy who I think – his future depended a lot on the team that would draft him, and I think this is a great fit for him in New England. A guy who's going to be gritty, blue-collar, lunch-pail D-end, uh, going to get a lot of tackles in New England, and then Kajus, similar mold, gritty, lunch-pail guy, been playing football for five years, tough, passionate, going to be a, you know, I think the Patriots could even slap him in there at guard, but definitely going to get his licks at tackle too uh, for years to come in New England. So I like the two picks they made there. 
Yeah, on, on day two and uh, three, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of good picks, man. This was so weird that a lot of guys that we thought you know were going you know first, definitely second round, slipping down. And I'll start with my man. Uh, uh, well, I'm just spacing on his name right now, Kelvin Harmon, who I cannot find on this draft board, but I'm pretty sure went in the sixth round. Sixth or was the, it seventh, maybe? He went to the Redskins. He did go to the Redskins, and I, I want to say it was the sixth round, but I'm, I'm having trouble finding it. So uh, Sixth, you know, yep. Sixth round. What pick? 206. 206 pick. Thank God we did not have yaps on the line. If you guys were to tell me, give me a, a yap prophecy for Kelvin Harmon going in the sixth round, uh, or lick, I should say. My fault. Lick. I'm still learning the, the parlor, uh, the parlance. Uh, just, I would take, I would probably bet six, six, six uh, licks back to back that he would not be in the sixth round. But just, you know, all jokes aside, I just think arguably, I mean, one of my favorite receivers in this draft, not an athletic freak, which I feel like we kind of saw that's what uh, teams were valuing from receivers. It was a lot of guys who ran uh, pretty fast and uh, were putting up more of those athletic numbers. Kelvin Harmon, man, just wins in a bunch of different ways. Super good route runner. And to touch on what I was liking earlier with Dwayne Haskins, um, I thought he got two really good receivers um, with Kelvin Harmon McLaurin too. and uh, Terry McLaurin, his teammate from Ohio State. Thank you, Lee, because I was, I was not ready for that. Yeah. Um, so that was, a, that was a pick that I liked. And then I'll go with uh, I'll go with triple header in Arizona, which, uh, spoiler alert, Arizona is my favorite class of the, of the uh, draft. Byron Murphy in the second round, Zach Allen in the third round, and then Deontay Thompson in the fifth round. All guys who... And Akeem Butler in the fourth round. I mean, well, yeah, Akeem Butler, Andy Isabella, literally their whole class, man. I just thought it was <laughs> unbelievable what they did to surround Kyler Murray with talent. And then their defense, man, there's a lot of rumors about, is, this, is Patrick Peterson going to get cut? Is he going to get traded? Bringing in uh, my favorite corner in the draft, Byron Murphy, who's, albeit a little undersized, uh, just is a gritty player, man, just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses in this game. I think he's going to fit in great. Uh, I just really love their draft. And then our guy, Zach Allen, man, just a versatile, uh, another guy who athleticism probably dropped him to where he was, but just great tape. All right, I'm going to get a little a little negative here. Yeah. Boys yeah. Don't mm. uh, talk, let's talk briefly about the Houston Texans. Are we doing first-round negatives or just all Just overall. Overall. overall yeah. um, I mean, they come into this draft needing an offensive lineman, needing multiple offensive linemen. And they draft two of them. Uh, they got Titus Howard in the first round at 23, which seems like a reach because he's from Alabama State. Um, and, you know, not overly long at 6'5", but I guess he played well against Auburn, according to Daniel Jeremiah. So uh, that was that was interesting. And then in the third round, they took a guy named Max Sharping, who our lads has him projecting to guard at the next level, but he went to Northern Illinois University. And, I mean, I, I'm not really going to say that <laughs> – I watched any really of these guys, but it's just it's kind of just confusing to me for them. At least the guys that were on the board when when Titus Howard was picked. I mean, you guys you had dudes like Andre Dillard, Juwan Taylor, Cody Ford available, and you took a project from Alabama State. And then Max Sharping is also just a third round tackle guard, kind of hybrid from Northern Illinois. And I, I don't really think you've fixed your issues yeah. offensive line. I think the Texans, after this draft, uh, are just kind of sinking a little bit. And unless these guys turn out to be, one of them turns out to be a Pro Bowl tackle, um, I, I think that this is going to be looked upon as a bad draft because there was too much talent on the board. And I, you know what? I'll be the I'll be the idiot, and I'll I'll be the one to take the blame even if, to say that there are better offensive linemen on the board than Titus Howard at 23, and there are better offensive linemen on the board than Max Sharping at uh, at 55. And and you know. 
I think that might be a little critical to say right now because those guys clearly watch a lot more film on them than we did. But we'll see when the when when the Texans uh, come to play this year. I just think that the Texans, man. I mean, with all the talent they have on their team, they just really can't seem to figure it out. And with that, with how competitive that division is, someone's got to get you know someone's got to be the nail. So we'll see if the if the Texans got enough uh, enough heavy lifters to to to, to protect their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I can't, couldn't agree more. I watched a little bit of Titus Howard in the, in the run-up, and he was just kind of known as a third, fourth-round sleeper guy who just had, was really big and played at Alabama State, an athletic big guy who seemed to dominate competition down there when he got his hands on like the Peter of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they obviously fell in love with him, but, man, you can just go down. Risner was still on the board. Cody Ford was still on the board. Juwan Taylor was still on the board. Uh, there was a lot of guys, you know, still on the board, so... Uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes now, but I did not like it as well. Any uh, any other teams grabs him? I mean, you well, I mean, if we want, I mean, again, we should just touch on the fact that the Giants put, picked Dexter Lawrence at pick seventeen, yeah. which I, you know, is just I really like Dexter Lawrence a lot too, but God, that was an awful pick, man, and especially after trading snacks. For, for a fifth round pick, I mean, it just is revealing this whole Gettleman way of thinking, and he just, he, you know, he thinks it's like 1982 or something like that. I just don't, I don't get his whole philosophy. He's just completely dependent on. He sees a, a hog as a Connor Ryan as philosophy of just. He looks at the weight and he's like, oh man, I need that hog molly in the center of my defense, even though I just traded Snacks Harrison, who's the best hog molly in the game, for a fifth round pick. It's just. Uh, you know, I like Dexter Lawrence, but that was just more a comment on uh, after drafting Daniel Jones to follow it up with that. Um, you know, just not really great value and a, a pretty bad pick, in my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't think the Lions had a good draft, so yeah. it's kind of how I feel. I feel. I feel like the Lions are one of the teams that stood out to me as a, uh, not really uh, noticeably improving. And I think their best pick in the draft was Amani Oriwari in the fifth round because that was a guy that I had. Maybe slipping to at the at the latest third round. So mm-hmm. being able to see him go in there and compete, I think will be. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I think Hawkinson will be a good player. But um, I, I don't really think that he's going to do enough to make the Lions a better team than the Vikings or or the Packers or the Bears. So uh, I hope I'm wrong. I really genuinely do, and I hope that Quinn. This was the draft that makes him instead of breaks him. But if I had to put money on it, I'd be running to the book to say that Bob Quinn's not going to be the general manager of the Lions within the next two years. Because, uh, Clep, I, you can even take credit for it, but I'm getting this from you. You're saying this is the draft that's probably going to make or break Quinn. And, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's... It, I think this, uh, this draft also just completely ties him to Patricia. Yeah. 100%. Like, you know, I think if Patricia laid another egg this year... Um, and I'm not saying that this would be right or not, but I think Quinn could go to that forward ownership and just say, hey, man, I, I screwed up. Like, this guy wasn't the dude. Um, you know, I thought he would be better. But, you know, my draft picks have been pretty solid. Da, 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 da. But after you kind of take a tight end at eight, you take a linebacker from Hawaii at 43, and then a safety in the third round, that another third-round safety two years in a row, where it's like, where does this guy really – I don't really see – where Will Davis fits in the defense at this point, um, or and like and just overall, like even if you look at T.J. Hawkinson, he's a guy that doesn't really he doesn't get compared to dudes like you know Gronk or Kelsey. He gets compared to guys like Witten. You know, he's not like a, a, a super like stud like breakthrough athlete. Like he's not like a, a big play type of guy. He's just like a very 
solid, like good player overall. You know, it, it's there's that gap kind of between like the Wins of the world and like the Kelseys and the Grocks. Um, and so I think that there's just kind of a lack of overall impact dudes that Bob Quinn hasn't been able to bring in over the course of his time as the Lions GM. Yeah, uh, I'll just touch on. I mean, this is kind of the thing that I thought was interesting because. Last year, uh, the Lions were obviously able to get Deshaun Hand and then uh, Tyrell Crosby uh, in, like, the fifth round, who was a guy who was getting a lot of, like, first-round, second-round buzz and slipped. And this is another year where uh, I like the Austin Bryan pick, the Armani Arwari pick, uh, Isaac Nada in the seventh round. Uh, that's I another like, tight end, though. Exactly. No, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they were just rolling with Jesse James and Isaac Nada and then you get Ed Oliver at pick eight, it's I like could like this draft a lot more, or I just I, I feel like they they do really well in like the later rounds, uh, and obviously showed with Galladay, you know, getting him in the third round. But Gerard Davis was a first round pick. It's just like they are are kind of close to being there. I don't know. That was just kind of a side note that I was thinking about. Um, but I agree with you, Liamani Arari and Clef. That was like one of your favorite corners, eh? So yeah, I, I mean, I you know, it's hard for me because like a lot of people are crapping on Quinn for taking you know. Jelani to buy too high at pick two, but I mean, I would consider taking Amani at that pick, so. Yeah. And I mean, he fell to five, so I, I don't, you know, I think I think criticizing GMs to a certain extent about making reaches is a little overrated. Um, they know, more, you know, they and, know I mean, more about the way the board's going to fall, probably, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, and, and on, on a positive, I guess to make a positive spin on this for me is that, like, at least Quinn, I mean, <laughs> Maybe it's bad because he's just arrogant, potentially, but, like, at least he doesn't really care. Like, he knew that taking a tight end at number eight would just absolutely, you know, make him public enemy number one in Detroit for a little bit. And taking a linebacker from Hawaii in the second round isn't going to make him any friends either. Um, and so I think if you, you take that into account, too, like, at least he just kind of goes with what he wants to do. And I think that's what you want from the people that you hire um, to a certain extent. So... Obviously, there's drawbacks to that as well, but yeah. um, I really do think that this is this draft. I think if you know things start going poorly in Detroit, I think that this draft um, will get Quinn um, booted out of town for sure. Yeah. On a lighter note, to stay in the division and to make Lions fans a little bit happier, I despise the Packers' first round. Mm. Um, I thought that uh, putting myself in the shoes of a Packers fan, I'd want to get Aaron Rodgers an explosive piece around him, whether it be a Hawkinson-like guy at tight end or a Marquise Brown or Debo Samuel at receiver, um, or even a Cody Ford or an inside guy or a, a Dillard on the O-line, someone to help Rodgers make his life a little bit easier. But instead, with picks 12 and trading up with Seattle to get the 21st pick, they took Rashawn Gary, defensive end out of Michigan with the 12th pick, and Darnell Savage, the safety out of Maryland with the 21st pick. And Gary, I really thought, was a reach um, as a pick. I mean, I'm not going to hate on it too much because I think he's a pretty good player. But just bringing these two guys in in the first round for the Packers, I thought, uh, as a Lions fan, um, you know, I was, I was happy about that. I thought that, you know, uh, you know okay, fine, leave, leave Aaron Rodgers with the same weapons and offense, essentially, that he had last year um, in terms of impactful first-round talent and continue to draft defensively. But... I mean, I, I disagree pretty pretty hard, so I'll try and uh, play a little devil's advocate here. Because I, like, obviously you just, uh, I did think the Rashawn pick, I guess, was a little bit uh, redundant in a way, even though I was I was mocking Brian Burns there. I, I like the idea of them getting another guy who can get after the quarterback, even though they just spent all that money in free agency to get the, uh, 
the Smith brothers, nah, no relation. Um, but I, I like what they did. Darnell Savage, man, I just think they're, they're missing that, that last X-Factor piece in the secondary, and I think there's a lot of uh, different ways that he can be matched up. And the fact that they traded up for him, I didn't think they thought – they definitely didn't think they were going to be able to get him at pick 30. Yeah, I don't and, then, just... and then on day two, getting Elton Jenkins and Jay Sternberger, who I like – Either of those picks at thirty, I didn't think would be a bad pick at all. Either Sternberger, I think is a great is going to be a great weapon. For I'm not them. talking and about what they did on on the, in the later rounds. I'm talking okay. about the first but, round. But to be, I think they obviously we can disagree with this or not, but they obviously are confident in all those rookies coming back this year, like uh, Marquez Val Valdez Scanlon, um, the Equinemius St. Brown, Jamon Moore. They have they have a couple guys who were bad last year and had obvious rookie growing pains, yeah. and they obviously I think I kind of like that they're having a vote of confidence. I like Jay Sternberger a lot. I think no one really rose above them. No one really I no one agree. was clearly the guy who was going to help Rodgers out besides Devontae Adams. And I think you go into another year where it's like, I, as a Lions fan, I like the fact that they're relying on Equinemius St. Brown and Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling and Jamon Moore because. Those are the very guys that people reports last year were saying were frustrating Rodgers or whatever, and he was yeah. you know having trouble with. So I don't think that they have that heady and uh, NFL ready number two guy yet, and I, I don't think any of those late round picks from last year are ready to do that. And I think that that was a at both picks they could have addressed that. Maybe it would have been a little bit of a reach at twelve, but you know this is the NFL draft, so you kind of got to make those types of moves. And I didn't see them make it. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the uh, the bad guy in the room with Savage. I know go- both you guys like him, but this pick reeks a little bit Tremaine Edmonds to me. I just think that him being the first defensive back taken, Terrell, Terrell Edmonds, or, or yeah, Terrell Edmonds. Sorry, him being the first defensive back taken in the draft at 21. I just think that's like uh, a little bit rich, and I don't know necessarily. You sign Adrian Amos, you you you've drafted three corners in the past uh, year or two years, and you you have the safeties. You get rid of Clinton Dix to pick this guy in the first round. I just think it's just a little bit interesting, and I could be completely wrong, and he could fit. Yeah, I, I will say to that point, Lee, like, I think uh, I like Darnell Savage a lot. I think he has a lot of really great instincts, and I would rank him as an overall. I think I'd rather have him than Deontay Thompson, but I think I would rather have Deontay Thompson in the fourth round Yeah. You know, than Darnell Savage in the first. Exactly, so. yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I mean. So... We can move on from that. I was just saying their first two picks were questionable, in my opinion. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Rodgers struggle a little bit more without the uh, notifiable weapons uh, besides Devontae Adams on the offense. Yeah, I'll just, I, I guess if we kind of wrap this up, I'll make my, my final, I guess my final remark on this draft um, for, for today. Um, going back to when I was talking about Nasir Adderley, I really like the Chargers draft a lot. They added a dude to each level of their defense. I, you know, I'm a big big fan of that. It's having guys on each level of the defense, and they just went and got Jerry Tillery uh, to add to their defensive line in the first round. Nasir Adderley to add to their secondary in the, in the second round, and then added Drew Tranquil, uh, you know, and another guy from Notre Dame in the fourth round as a linebacker. So I think they just kind of added a nice piece, and you know, I, I think bringing in dudes, you know, you, you know. To just make a young guy in each kind of position group is, is a really good thing to do, um, and I, I think they did just a great job of that. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the Chargers were, were making good moves. And another guy I want to shout out real quick is uh, two Carolina Panthers: Jordan Scarlett, running back out of uh, out of Florida, going in the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken, and then Will Greer, my guy with the hundredth pick. The the Panthers taking him to quite possibly be the guy to step up and take over 
if Cam Newton's asking for a little too much money when that contract expires in a couple of years, yeah. I think. So I think Will Greer could be the guy to uh, the hometown kid to step up and, and and take that role in Carolina. I think that's an interesting, uh, you know, prophecy to, to to be looking at for years to come. So um, like those two picks for the Panthers. And speaking of years to come, I think uh, DK Metcalf may have landed in the perfect situation. I think for him with Doug Baldwin's future up in the air, we don't know really right now, but. I feel like I would not be surprised, I guess, at all if he played his last down in the NFL. And now pairing him with Tyler Lockett, um, I just think that's uh, an awesome one-two punch for Russell Wilson entering this, you know, his new deal and really just fully being the face of this franchise with the Legion of Boone now being you know, done for the past two years. And let's just quickly speak on the man, B.J. Blunt. Undrafted. Undrafted. storyline. Yep. Uh, I think you know everyone in this room saw him as as a you know player that should should be you know off the board, but hey, you know that's not always how the ball rolls, and he finds himself in Washington. And also, I saw today Snacks Harrison tweeted, "I would not be in the league today unless I was an undrafted free agent." Yep. To, a little motivation. So um, you know, and even you know Lee, you and I were, I think in our in our second third round mock on on Saturday, I think we mocked or on, on Friday, sorry. I think we mocked a linebacker to the to the Redskins because we looked at their defense and uh, didn't didn't see a lot there, and they really didn't add much in, in way of linebacker in this in this draft class or in free agency this year. And in terms of a high pick, but yeah. but they added the man BJ Blunt. And I, I think, think he actually has Blunt, a really a decent chance to make this team. Uh, you're looking at their inside linebackers right now on on the old R lads. I mean, you got Mason Foster, who's you know a, a veteran, and then you have Reuben Foster as well who I, I guess is playing this year. I don't know if he's going to be suspended or, or what exactly that deal is. But, I mean, behind him you have Sean Deion Hamilton, who was a sixth-round pick from last year. Josh Harvey Clemens, who was a seventh-round pick out of Louisville from 2017. And, and that's pretty much it. So, I think I think BJ's got a chance to make this 53. Man, I think, I think, I think BJ can make any 53. He brings that grit. Am, am I the uh, – where, where does everyone stand on the Raiders draft? Because I'm a fan. Any, are, we, are we haters or kind of just like chalking that one up to like I'll see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't really say I'm a fan right now, but I can't really hate on it because I'm like, you got to be all in, right? If you're a Raiders guy, so I'm not. I'm not necessarily gonna say I like it, but I'm not. I'm gonna say I hate it, and I don't know. I just don't know. We'll see. I, I could see them being a competitive team this year in that division. I still think I would say off off the top right now though that the Chargers. They had the best draft in that division. Yeah, I, I would, I would, agree, I would agree. With, I would agree with that. I just think for what the Raiders did, man. Uh, I don't know. They they address they address a lot of needs, and I like Foster Moreau a lot. A guy who you know was kind of like he kind of surprised the combine, running like a four or five, being the, the blocking tight end prospect that he was, and getting Renfro you know around after him. I just I like the culture that they're building down in Oakland. So I hope I, I hope I'm right. Any final, any final remarks, Alex? Um, Eagles, nice draft. I think we only had yes. five picks. They did a lot with them. Nice little Eagles. Eagles did. A, I mean, I nice think the Eagles moves. might have uh, might have won the offseason. I think that might be a hot take a little bit when you got like the Browns and the Jets. But the Eagles just kind of coming off that Super Bowl win uh, a year ago. We'll see. I guess you know when we get close to do when we start breaking them down, we start doing our, yeah. uh, our break. Excited downs. to get after it. I am as well. Kind of gonna. Yeah. Have, yeah, I mean, thank you to all our listeners for following us this, this great draft season. I don't know when we're going to be on next, though. Who knows? Who knows? 
We're all, you know, I'm taking a little vacation. All right. Full disclosure, Cliff's taking a vacation. Taking taking a break from my my high-paying job here as the creator. Going to try to make some international business deals. All I got to say is Asian investors. Yep. Coming coming soon to an iTunes iTunes, uh, podcast app near you. How's the how's the new place, Mary? What does it look like? I she she blew me off. Someone else got it. I didn't know. Oh. Brutal. Yeah, it's fine. It's meant to be. Clearly, it's meant to be. If it didn't happen. You looking on Sealy Street? No, man. Like my Sealy days are over. I think. Woo. Yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? You never know. I could be a Sealy boy. Crazier things have happened. Alright, but it's three. Yeah. yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch, we stay winning.